0: This is a Relay Project. Real Talk starts right now. Here's Ryan Jesperson.
1: It's September 13th. It's Tuesday. Thanks for joining us here, Ryan Jesperson, John Hicks. Hi, yo. How you doing, pal? You got that... uh iOS 16 update. <laughs> I'll figure it out on your iPhone yet. Are you good to oh, go? Oh, man, I'm deleting texts and editing Spell-checking everything. You're making spelling mistakes now on purpose just so you can fix them. Sent
2: three emails this morning to Ontario at 6 a.m. I was asleep.
1: Ah scheduled them. Had it scheduled ahead of time. life is just better with the with the new update. though you were telling me off camera yeah, this there's is a something, catch. There's a this is a big, this is a major catch. catch. Yeah
2: so when you delete a text that you've sent, when you unsend it, so to speak, or when you edit a text, uh, the other person can only see those features if they have updated. To iOS 16.
1: And well, most people, so. I don't think, update when they're supposed to, do well, it they? It kind
2: of tells you to do it, and then you're like, oh, I'll and
1: do it. And then you're going to put it on the back burner. And...
2: So six months until we can be free of mistakes
1: in our lives. You know, every once in a while, this is a little bit different. This is more updating my uh, my MacBook. Um, and, uh, you know, sometimes we'll show my screen on screen on our YouTube. For those of you that I mean, most of you listen on the podcast, but if you watch us on YouTube, which we invite you to do, uh, people can see from time to time the little red. Like button the little red note at the top right hand corner that would say update, mm-hmm. and we'd start getting emails to the show from people that would be like, "Would you please update your laptop? Please update your computer." And It was kind of funny stuff. So yeah, th- this was like this was always a reminder for me that real talkers don't miss much when I share my screen mm-hmm. on camera. So this is uh yeah I'll I'll, I'll do my best to update. Uh, do my best. Like <laughs> how lazy am I? I'll do my best. But if I update my iPhone, too, then you and I can send each other texts and then pull them back all day long. Wouldn't that be exciting? I
2: specifically got them because the amount of mistakes I make texting
1: you about everything. Yeah. It's Is it going to say, does it say to the recipient yeah, you'll still the see message that was edit, withdrawn?
2: You can see underneath it says like edited, much like on Facebook when you edit like a post or whatever yeah. or a comment. Yeah, because that always gets my see attention the Edit history
1: on the apps where people can withdraw like WhatsApp, for example. Mm-hmm. You can pull back a message and it'll say like John Hicks. Deleted that message and Then Got like,
2: scared and thought again
1: well, And then you're like What did the message say
2: <laughs> And then you gotta hit it
1: It's like when you're texting Back and forth with somebody And you see the three dancing dots yeah. you, They're like typing 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 And then it stops And then the dots Start dancing again Typing typing And you're waiting And then I all of a sudden just no I that with you all text. the time Yeah
2: Where I'm like What does he type what is he? And then they go away I'm like Oh I guess he changed his mind
1: Yeah It was probably just me Sharing another bad idea And then <laughs> coming to my senses <laughs> We've got a great show in store coming up in uh, less than five minutes. We're going to talk to Alex Gaynor. He's an economist at the University of Alberta. Uh, Alex and I were chatting a couple of days ago, and I said, you know what we would love? And what I know that real talkers would love is just some common sense. Can we call it, uh, I guess, just like ground level talk about what's going on with uh, the, well, generally speaking, the economy, but interest rates, inflation, inflation everybody's we hear it at the high levels, you know, the bank of Canada bumping up 75 basis points to whatever we go. Okay. And we kind of know what that means for us. You go, your mortgage jumped up this amount or your variable rate and your line of credit jumped up this much, or you're still figuring that out, but like actually what's going on, what's driving it. What should our, you know, I guess not our prognosis be, but how do we process all of this over the next, how many months? I don't know. You tell me, Alex will do his best to look into that crystal ball and make sense for us of, of the next six months or 12 or 18 or 24 or what have you, you know, and this is relevant to people that are, you know, trying to figure out the game plan. You know, you say the average household, the costs are up by about $400 a month. Now that's on average. Some people's costs aren't going to go up at all. If you don't have a mortgage, if, if, if you're, you know, a little bit later in life or you've done well for yourself, you made that a priority. Maybe you got a little bit lucky. Maybe it was a gift. Who knows all different circumstances, but you're not carrying a heavy debt load. So things like fluctuating rates or, or, you know, variable rates is, for the most part, irrelevant to you. And for another element of our listening audience and the general population, you're leveraged to the hilt. And uh, I'm not making light of this. I'm being serious. You're you're stressed out to the max right now. You're trying to figure out what you're going to do, you know, whether that means uh, canceling a family vacation. We got an email from somebody a couple of days ago that said that they straight up canceled their family vacation. Uh, They hadn't told their kids about it yet, so it made it a little bit easier, but devastated. Uh, maybe we'll share that email coming up in the next couple of days. Uh, but people are trying to figure out like, you know, this is not, you know, some, the same person wrote into us and said the thing that's the real kick in the teeth is that they're not making any more of a payment against the principal on their market. It's just going to increase the interest rates. And a lot of people are trying to figure this out. And so Alex Skaner is going to get into that with us. And then a little bit later on in the show, about a half hour from now, Will Cardinal Maurer is going to join us. Will is a force of nature. I met him, I guess, about a year ago, maybe a little bit longer than that. And I've sort of had it in the back of my mind. And and I was just like, uh, you know, I, I said, Will, real talkers need to hear from you. This guy is uh, he's a street outreach worker with Bissell Center. That's a uh, an organization in, in our home city of Edmonton. And uh, he's going to join us. And, and um, it was it's been a. Well, I don't want to speak for Will. It's been a tough pandemic for him and for his colleagues and for the people he serves. Uh, For the the houseless population, it was International Overdose Awareness Day on October 31st, so about two weeks ago, and uh, Will lost a friend uh, to a drug poisoning within days of that, and a a really moving post on his Instagram. We're going to get into that. His friend Jordan Um, also, I mean, as as a a parallel story in talking about grief and loss, by the way, Jeremy Allen yesterday, how powerful was that segment? Unbelievable. We heard from a whole ton of you um, in particular, Jeremy talking about talking to kids about grief and loss. Uh, Will has been working out his own grief and loss. And I would imagine anger uh, following the murder of his uncle and cousin. You remember the story about the two, Hunters, the Métis hunters near Glendon, Alberta, Maurice Cardinal and Jacob Sansom, Uh, they were they were murdered uh, in a, a roadside confrontation that police worked hard to solve uh the assailants fled were later captured and uh one of them has been sentenced the father has been sentenced the son uh awaiting sentence in November will has been fighting for justice on his family's front there so i'm expecting a really powerful conversation we say real talk we mean it we're going to deliver that to you and then a really great feature in this morning's edition of the leading edge you know 40% of food around the world globally 40% of food is wasted and there's a website and an app that's endeavoring to do something about that to get food in front of people that need it, people on tight budgets uh, that oftentimes are having to to sacrifice the nutritional elements of what they're putting in front of themselves or their kids at the table. So this is a really neat story. Are you the same as me? since it like drives me Not absolutely <laughs> drives me absolutely nuts <laughs> to waste food. 100%.
2: We talked about this how I me and my wife we make a a choice to pick like the crappy looking onions the Mm. weird looking shaped potatoes yeah because we know all that stuff even though it's good it's getting thrown out along with all that other stuff that is people always say expired but it's just best before right a lot of the food that gets thrown out still good to eat but it's just it's just past that best before date so i'm really excited about this leading edge today too because it's taking all that food and Putting it to good use so. It's a
1: sick feeling You know You'll you like say you have I don't know Chicken thighs in the freezer And you take them out You're going to thaw them You're going to thaw them out You put them in the fridge You're going to make a meal that week But then something happens You know Like you, you step out Or friends You go out for dinner The one night And then and then you, you kind of forget about it You heat up leftovers The next night You forget it da, 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 da. Long story short All of a sudden The chicken goes bad And the feeling of Throwing out What was perfectly good food It just drives me Nuts Right, you buy a loaf of bread. You're like, I'm going to make sandwiches this week. I'm not going to go out for lunch. I'm not going to, you know. And then you find mold on the bread because he left it sitting there for two weeks. What about restaurants? What about supermarkets? I've done interviews with. I remember one in particular this several years ago. A guy that was a proud. I said, How do you want to be introduced on the radio? He goes, Well, you could just tell everybody I'm a dumpster diver. And <laughs> like, okay. And this guy had an Instagram account. I should track him down. We should get him on Real Talk. This guy's. Absolutely. And you should be. It's fine. It's totally fine. It's just a different approach. Right. Different things make different people tick. And this guy says you wouldn't believe and he's right. He says, you wouldn't believe how much food supermarkets throw out because they have to. They're mandated to. Supermarkets can't take the position of. I know uh, it's I not know. an expiry. I, I it's know, only a best I know. before. Right. I know. But if you look at it I and mean, I'm trying to figure out if I want to tell you something. Really gnarly.
2: I get it. It only takes one. I won't person. get into
1: the details, but like there are some dairy products, and this is not my official advice to our audience, hmm. do not take this as advice, but just anecdotally, like some dairy products like yogurt as an example. It's kind of a classic example where the best before date, I mean, you've still got I mean, people aren't gonna want me to put this on <laughs> this the record. Not... <laughs> we do have adequate insurance, I believe, yeah, on disclaimer this show. Like, on the spot. But honestly, you've got probably two months of runway. I wish people could see your face right now, but really, <laughs> if yogurt that exp- or yo- yogurt is. What people fear it could become. How do you think yogurt becomes yogurt? I've
2: heard this discussion and like cheese is mold and blah, blah, blah. But it's uh, I, don't know.
1: I know it sounds a little gnarly. I'm not a food
2: scientist, but I don't think.
1: So I'm talking to this guy and he goes, you wouldn't believe what supermarkets would throw out. Oh, it's, and it's sounds- like the meat and the produce and all this. Yeah. And most people aren't going to go jump into a dumpster to feed their family. Some people do. I'm not denigrating it. I'm certainly not mocking it. And this guy's sense of conviction, Mm. you know, he was just he couldn't stand to see the food waste. Mm -hmm. And I can relate to that 100 percent. And I know a lot of people can. So I'm looking forward to to telling you about this. That's coming up on The Leading Edge. It's presented every Tuesday here on the show uh, by Leading Edge Physiotherapy. You know, we mentioned these iPhones and we're obviously having some fun with this update. For once in my life, I'm actually excited about a software upgrade, John. This isn't typically the type of thing that gets me going. I
2: saw it. I was like, this is a Jespo (laughs)
1: update here. We haven't even talked about what you can do lifting the subjects out of your photos. How cool is that? Maybe another conversation for another day. Uh, But right now, our friends at Westworld Computers want to let you know that they are overstocked. But When it comes to some of the Mac products that everybody wants to get their hands on, including the MacBook Pros, uh, love those, and the M1 MacBook Airs as well. So they've got a sale going on. They've, they've had that through the month. They drove past Westworld yesterday on the West End. Still the big sign-up. You can talk to them about upgrading your MacBook your Air, your Pro, what have you. Of course, you can shop their selection online as well at westworld.ca. And don't forget, with regards to these new iPhones, they've been taking pre-orders on them since September 9th. So a few days ago, they're available for delivery. A few days from now, they're expecting them to be available September 16th. So do not delay. Westworld is the place to get new products. You can shop them in person or online at westworld.ca. Our friends at Eden Landscaping want to remind you that, you know, your outdoor space, it has so much potential. You're looking out right now and you just, you you feel almost, do you a bit of resentment when you look at your back or front yard? It's just boring you stiff. You don't want to have people over because what is it? Just a bunch of sod that looks brutal if you have dogs anyway. I'm describing my backyard and that one tree that's just far from impressive. Well, why not check in with Mike and his team and bring that space to life? Not just increasing your property value, but your quality of life at your home digs. Check out their portfolio, their services. Now's a great time to plant the seed with Eden so they can hit the ground running in spring. Referrals and return business are proof that this company has satisfied customers all the way through. Or of course, you could just leave the landscaping to somebody else at your brand new $2.2 million dream home. Huh? Life changing luxury. That's a big part of the Covenant Foundation lottery offerings this year in support of the Grey Nuns and Misericordia Hospitals. You can get your tickets today at covenantfoundationlottery.ca. Your shot at a 5,400 square foot, four bedroom, five bathroom, fully furnished dream home absolutely stunning stuff but of course there's also the gorgeous getaways the luxury vehicles and a whole lot more the 50 50 the current pot more than a half a million dollars this is the 30th anniversary edition of the covenant foundation lottery get your tickets at covenantfoundationlottery.ca or give them a call at one 944 2774 I've been meaning to ask if you can win that dream home if you're eligible to win. Nah, I think I we might be able to get it. off on a technicality on the small print.
2: My wife is my wife is very upset to learn that beautiful home two Brutal. blocks from where we currently reside. Oh
1: boy, can you imagine that? Unattainable. How easy would the move be? You just borrow someone's little red rider move. wagon we're and
2: leave. We're leaving everything, <laughs> <laughs> donating. That, have you seen? We looked in the windows of this place. It's it's. Like, the video doesn't do it justice. Is that right? It's, it's just immaculate. It's designed perfectly. It's We wouldn't change a thing. we just walk in that day and a
1: that suitcase
2: be? and that's it. Wouldn't that
1: be great? You just put your other place up on Kijiji and oh, you're, yeah. like, free to a good home. Yeah. A home. Who needs Here a coach? Who needs there go. Who needs that? Huh. You know, I guess in a way, this is kind of a, a, a great segue into what we're going to be talking about now. I mean, people dreaming of upgrading their housing for a lot of Canadians. Uh, it feels like a pipe dream now. Not just that, Housing costs are rising, but borrowing costs as well. Mortgages are going to cost you, what, 30, 40, maybe 50 percent more now than they would have even a few months ago. Uh, We're going to talk to economist Alex Gaynor in just a second. Uh, The prime minister, Justin Trudeau, in rolling out an affordable housing initiative just a couple of days ago, had this to say about his government's approach to housing, interest rates, employment and, of course, Canada's economy.
2: When nearly a third of Canadians rent their homes, it's important that governments make sure renters are part of any affordability plan. And that's what the federal government will keep doing. When people have a home of their own, whether they rent or they own, they're better able to invest in themselves and invest in their communities. Our government understands that it's only by investing in people that we can grow the economy. When we help provide childcare, We give kids the best start in life and help a quarter of a million workers, especially moms, participate in the labor force.
1: Alex Gainer is an economist at the University of Alberta. His teaching and research involves micro and macroeconomic topics like housing, inflation, labor data, monetary policy. Before working at the U of A, Alex was an economist with the Treasury Board and finance at the Alberta government, making his Real Talk debut. It's nice to have you on the show. Thanks for making time for us. Hi, Ryan. Thanks for having me. You bet. Uh, I'm, I'm looking forward. I've promised the audience that you and I are going to uh, basically uh, talk about the economy at a level that, that I and a lot of them can understand. Just the real life, real conversations, not the high level stuff that oftentimes we see reported in the news media. The The landscape right now with regards to people's cost of living and, and all of those spin off storylines, pretty significant stuff right now. Yeah,
3: you kind of told me I was supposed to just talk about yogurt, but
1: yeah all. <laughs> Do you want to get into expiry dates? We could probably find some metaphor for the economy there somewhere, I think.
3: Yeah, I could definitely relate to hating food waste, though, and oh man,
1: it's yeah, argue worst. with my wife.
3: Yeah, If it smells fine, just, you know, it should be safe. Yeah,
1: yeah, exactly. We don't we don't know. Yeah, I I agree. Although we're gonna hear from probably some sort of scientist or lab researcher that's gonna say this is extremely dangerous conversation which you should not be having. <laughs> they would also be right about that. So maybe we'll encourage yeah. people to adhere to these dates. But hey, you know what? I mean, I guess hey, can I can I be cheesy here and and say the expiry date on affordable mortgages appears to be passed? I mean, I got burned on this one. It's nobody's fault but me. It's my fault. I should have renewed our mortgage back in June but i didn't i waited until two weeks ago it's costing us and i know it's costing hundreds of thousands if not millions of canadians from your perspective of understanding all of this how are you processing what you're seeing with these interest rates climbing so high
3: yeah so it really is unprecedented uh accounts raising interest rates the quickest pace since 19 the mid 1990s uh so you're definitely going to feel this on your mortgages i'm also someone that got burned i've been a fan of variable rate mortgages for <laughs> you know, since I've owned a house and I'm getting burned as well. But um, yeah, it's definitely people are going to be feeling it, especially maybe it's not front of mind right now, but when they go to renew their mortgage in one, two, three, four years, it's yeah. uh, probably going to be a big shock. And another one that's not getting much attention is uh, a lot of, I was reading an article saying most variable rate mortgages are actually based on fixed payments. Mm. So a lot of people with variable rate mortgages probably haven't seen their payments go up yet um, because they haven't hit their trigger rate. But that likely, maybe that happened last week uh, with last week's interest rate, but it will likely happen with this next one. So even people with variable interest rate mortgages and they might be thinking, I hear about rates going up, but, you know, the money coming on my bank account hasn't changed. But that there's a good chance that it'll change uh, with the next bank account announcement.
1: You know, they say misery loves company. I don't know why, but it makes me feel a little bit better that I'm getting burned, that an economist at the U of A is also getting burned. Is is that okay with you that I feel that way? Yeah. (laughs) Misery does love company. You know, you said that, You know, you you, you allude to sort of as time passes or or people will figure this out down the line. And and for a lot of folks, us included, you're trying to make sense. And I feel like these are high stakes decisions with very minimal understanding on my part, for sure. And so you look at the rate that the bank or the lender is offering. And I recognize we're talking specifically mortgages right now. But you could talk about how people are navigating these rises in in housing costs or costs of living, uh, uh, you know, across the board. We're going, does it make sense to to lock into a one-year deal right now, a, t- a two-year mortgage, a five-year mortgage? Because people are really trying to figure out, is what's happening right now a short-term thing? You know, the Bank of Canada trying to, to tap down inflation a little bit, or is this the new normal? I mean, does it does it make sense to lock in for five years? Because five years from now, mortgages could be 9%. Yeah, so
3: that's a tough one. Um, so Bank of is at 3.25%. Most... Forecasts say it's going to go up again at their next meeting. Um, So likely go up again, and it'll probably stay high. Maybe Bank Canada's interest rate around four percent by the end of this year and probably most of next year. So probably high. Most forecasts, most economists, would confidently say interest rates are going to be what they are now, maybe a bit higher by the end of this year and through twenty twenty three. It may start dropping. They may start dropping end of twenty twenty three or twenty twenty four, but uh, right now there's just so much uncertainty, it's tough to say, but, um, it's going to be higher interest rates are here for at least the next year or two. That being said, it's in terms of mortgages, that's pretty complex. I would definitely recommend talking to mortgage broker, yeah, yeah, or talking yeah. to your lender to see, you know, does it, is it my best interest to exit my current variable rate or whatever interest uh, mortgage you have and sign a new one but uh yeah i would say interest rates are going to be elevated for at least the next year
1: yeah i should i should take you off the hook after putting you on the hook and remind (laughs) people that you're not here to advise them on their mortgages but but to help us understand what's going on and i find i almost catch myself alex when i talk to you and i say you know what do we do people trying to make sense of this with interest rates so high and you're like yeah you know it's three and a quarter percent right now and then of course the bank's lending rates will be a little bit higher than that but we hear from people all the time and they're absolutely right People aren't wrong when they say, you know, our first mortgage in the 80s was like 18 percent or like 21 percent, which is mind boggling. I was talking to a guy the other day. It's like buying a house on a credit card. What what was (laughs) like in in layperson's terms? What was the difference in the economic landscape or what was going on or how the Bank of Canada was 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 managing it or intervening, if you want to say, in those times, you know, in in the 80s versus now, for example?
3: Yeah, that's great question. So kind of 1970s, we had there's much, much higher inflation, uh, even relative, you know, we're in double digit inflations, and the Bank of Canada was run a bit different. In those days, all central banks were; they weren't as independent. So Prime Minister's presidents had more influence on them. So 1970s, um, inflation was much higher and was more entrenched. Uh, In society, people believed inflation was permanently higher. So, you know, shops, businesses just kind of automatically raised uh prices uh year after year and uh wages kept going up because people really thought high inflation is here to stay and the bank of canada central banks had less credibility in those days uh people didn't believe they're really that serious about bringing down inflation so they really had to jack up interest rates a significant amount to prove hey we've changed how we approach the economy we're legitimate now we're really trying to bring interest rates down now what? and that's kind of what they're doing right now the bank of canada's really, it's been more aggressive than our peer countries, the US, UK, Australia. They've actually increased interest rates quicker and by large amounts than any other central bank. Um, And a big reason is they're trying to maintain that credibility that, hey, we're uh, very, very serious about getting inflation uh, down um, to not have a repeat of those 1980s where they have to push up interest rates extremely high to buy credibility.
1: Well, can we we safely say that, if interest rates were to be anywhere near where they were in the 80s or even half of where they were in the 80s, that we would see insolvencies and foreclosures and that it would be an absolute disaster? Definitely. Yeah, even close to half if we saw mortgage rates up at
3: 10%. And thanks for showing that graphic there (laughs) to refresh our memory. Yeah, if interest rates go up to 10%, that would definitely push Canada into recession. We'd see a lot of businesses uh, go bankrupt or shut down. So the bank account is really trying to avoid that What they're doing right now is kind of front loading interest rate hikes, uh, pushing up as quickly as possible by large amounts uh, in hopes that they won't have to raise it even more
1: in the future. Johnny you want to throw that graphic up again because I think this is worth let's describe it Alex for for the people that are listening to the podcast because I know there's value uh in this one this is uh, I mean basically sort of a bit of a perspective check isn't it that reminds us of, of what cost of borrowing has been and what and what interest rates have, have looked like for people and and when you're when you're talking about and I recognize housing costs were obviously lower then too, but it's all relative isn't it yeah um, when you're talking about people now that you know the the average single detached in in Canada depending on the market is you know the 350 to i mean if you're talking vancouver toronto you know 1.5 million i mean you know uh, uh, an interest rate you know now we're looking at you know three and a bit percent when you're looking at in in, in the late 1970s or early i'd 1980s, say i
3: think that's probably things have changed so much so that's probably six months old so i think it right. probably be i think it's about four and a half
1: five percent now four and a half five but but you're yeah. looking at 21 and a half percent uh in the late 70s to the early 80s when you're talking about present day half a million dollars? I mean, people are just handing in the keys, right?
3: Yeah, that would... uh, Yeah, there would be mass bankruptcy. I don't think... For a lot of practical reasons, that could push interest rates out high.
1: Okay, let me uh, let me ask you this because you you mentioned other countries, and I'm really curious for your assessment on that. Uh, Canada's finance minister, deputy prime minister, Christian Freeland did Christian Freeland did um, stack up Canada. She wants she invites those comparisons. Uh, we played this audio last week, but I think it's it's worth replaying this. This was I think September seventh. She said this so about a week ago ish. Uh, this is uh, federal finance minister Freeland.
0: This is a challenging global environment, economically. We are still dealing with the aftershocks of the COVID recession. We now have Putin's invasion of Ukraine causing huge challenges for the global economy, principally Europe, but that has an impact on all of us. And Canada is not immune to these challenges. What Canada has, though, going into these challenges is really strong economic fundamentals. We have this year the strongest growth in the G7. We have this year lowest debt and deficit in the G7. And inflation is elevated in Canada, but compared to our our peer countries, it's lower. Inflation in Canada is lower than in the UK, in the US, in Germany, in the Eurozone. And I think all of us were pleased to see the July number receding a little bit from the June number. So I don't want to understate the challenge ahead, but I do want us as we go into it to also as a country have the confidence that comes from the strength of our foundations.
1: Okay, so so two things can be true at the same time. Numbers don't lie. And politicians going to politic. So what should people <laughs> what should people take from that? Where is she bang on and, and where is where is there maybe a little bit of politicking happening?
3: Yeah, so she bang on. I think most economists would say you know, the higher prices, uh, higher inflation, it's largely due to energy prices, food prices, which are set globally. And they've uh, recently really been influenced by Russia's invasion of Ukraine. So Russia's invasion of Ukraine has really pushed up the price of oil, natural gas and food prices as well um you know to grow most food you need oil and you need things like natural gas to make those fertilize to make fertilizers a lot of input prices to food have gone up yeah and uh and ukraine and russia produce a lot of wheat so um probably majority of what's causing inflation now is probably outside of our borders uh food and energy so that's true but where she's probably politicking is You know there is some blame to the canadian government uh they did kind of juice the economy more with the benefit of hindsight i guess um they did juice the economy more than they probably should have um back in 2020 2021 they're really worried about recession i guess uh but they the amount of spending federal government did was higher than normal so some blame needs to be laid there but um most of the growth inflation is likely due to global factors specifically Mm -hmm. high energy prices high fuel
1: I appreciate that assessment, but I don't have to tell you or this audience uh, that the new conservative leader, Pierre Polyev, with with his just inflation talking point, uh, Charles Adler and I got into this yesterday, certainly honing in on that on government spending through the pandemic. It's a delicate talking point. He's got to be careful about how he does it. Otherwise, he'll be criticized of having a cold heart, a guy that you know, would, would have essentially forced a lot of Canadians, as Adler said yesterday, to take a cold bath. Um, an interesting story published in the Globe and Mail just this morning, Alex. I'm not sure if you've seen it. It's estimated that Ottawa could lose more than $5 billion in those emergency pandemic loans to small businesses. Um, there were about $50 billion in total, $49 billion in emergency loans extended to small business during the pandemic lockdowns. And the task of chasing down these business owners to collect on that uh, is proving to be a difficult one for the Canada Revenue Agency. Of course, now in hindsight, it's easy to look back on that. But but certainly, we're looking for a fulsome understanding of what's driving a lot of this. And, and so we appreciate your perspective there. People want to know how to ride this out, the best way to ride this out. like People say it's cool for us to talk about global markets and macroeconomics. But at the end of the day, we're trying to figure out You know, people are going to say, if we can take our kids to the Kananaskis or to Jasper for Christmas, you know, we're trying to figure out if we can afford it. We're trying to figure out if we can keep our second vehicle or if we need to sell it. So what are you looking at, even as you and your family make your plans over the next six or 12 or 24 or 36 months? What are you paying attention to?
3: Yeah, so I would say for like most mortgages are fixed in Canada. So most people haven't had that hit yet. but just to kind of look at the calendar and think, okay, when do we have to renew our mortgage? Um, And just look online, look at what average interest rates are that's and kind of budget for that, or maybe a bit higher. So realize that, you know, next time you renew your mortgage um, you're likely going to be paying quite a bit more. So a lot more, your budget's going to be going to that. Another thing I would emphasize. So we talk inflation in Canada is about 8% or 7.6% in July. And uh, so we talk about how that, know the forecasts are that should come down to about five percent next year twenty twenty three and then hopefully return to normal which is two three percent by twenty twenty-four. Um but when people hear that I think they think okay you know right now I used to pay four hundred dollars in groceries a month now I'm paying four hundred and fifty dollars so when inflation comes back down to two percent you know I'll pay four hundred dollars for groceries again but um you know inflation it's the percentage increase in prices so essentially prices are permanently higher. We're just saying they're growing at a slower rate. Instead of growing really quick a year, 8% a year, they're growing 2% a year. Uh, So key thing to keep in mind is uh, prices on average are permanently higher. Don't don't expect grocery prices, utility prices, things like that to come down.
1: Yeah. Yeah. When's the list that you don't typically see price? I mean, I guess I may be thinking of gasoline uh, in a way, but even still, I was going to say prices don't typically return to earth. Um, But it's funny. I'm I'm mentally conditioned now to, Think of like when gas goes back down to back down to a dollar 39 a liter. I'm like, oh, sweet, fill up. I mean, you know, I know I'm old, uh, but I'm not too old to remember. Like when I started driving, I think gas was like 43 cents a liter. I mean, it's like tripled in 20 years, that sort of idea, 30 years, I guess, if I'm being honest. Um, prices don't typically drop back down, do they? Even if inflation slows, this is the new reality,
3: yeah exactly unfortunately um it's very we really try to avoid deflation so that's prices falling and inflation is average prices so there are some prices like you mentioned gasoline will likely it's fall to buck 39 it'll probably keep falling but uh prices in general or prices on average are permanently higher now they'll probably keep going up a bit um and right now we're seeing it mostly in food and energy prices but the way it happens that usually kind of bleeds into services um, especially workers, you know, inflation's high. So a lot of workers are understandably going to ask for higher wages. Um, and that's going to kind of keep inflation fairly high because businesses give those wages. So they have to raise prices a bit to cover those higher wages. So it'll take time, take a while for inflation uh, to cool off.
1: I'd be curious to know how that'll go for people. Uh, and, and I do encourage people to try to to maximize their, Remuneration, their compensation to work and that type of thing. You also got to be able to read the room. Um, I look at what's happened with a lot of the public sector, you know, the collective bargaining and things that we've seen. And I mean, if you manage to get like a percent bump up, well, let alone, I mean, if 2%, geez, um, you know, that's a big win these days. It feels like you're not even keeping up with inflation, but with regards to where these, the economy's at right now. And a lot of these businesses, I mean, we just talked about that 5 billion. The feds are probably not going to get back. Um, How businesses have just been battered and bruised, many of them, if not most, uh, through the pandemic. I'd be curious to know how it'll go for people that are looking for raises these days. It's a tough ask in a lot of circumstances.
3: Yeah, it is. It's going to be the bank account is watching that closely. It's going to be tough to predict, but there actually is quite a big labor shortage in quite a few industries. So that's and wages are a lot higher. I think um, we just had data from August. I think wages went up like five point. 2% 2% on average hmm. or something, the hourly wage. So they're definitely going up quicker than normal. And um, the unemployment rate went up a little bit, but it's still really low at about 5%. I think it's 5.1%. And uh, yeah, so I think, or sorry, 5.4% now. So I think wages will be going up. Um, it really depends on where you work and who you work for ultimately, but there are labor shortages everywhere. Uh, but yeah, it'll be interesting to follow.
1: In closing, I I uh, I always say in closing, and then I realize immediately it's a mistake because what if you take us down this path that that prompts <laughs> ten more questions. but um, you know I th- there's like this irony in a sense, isn't there that you know high commodity prices, in particular energy prices and and uh, relatively high resource revenues mean that you know our home province, the province of Alberta is is looking at a, a surplus now. They were anticipating a surplus of a half a billion dollars, which a government would love to trot out. Any surplus is good. Uh, it's now thirteen billion they're looking at, right, Alex? And so the the, the provincial government here, uh, for the most part, acknowledging that's uh, due to where resource revenues are at right now. So costs are higher for people, including at the pump on a personal level. But it's really good for the bottom line of the province, right? It's better for the provincial economy. So there's this this kind of trade off in a sense. As best you can, and I know you'll probably go uh, when I ask you to do this, but but looking ahead. Uh, where do you expect the price of oil to stay? What about natural gas? What are the implications on on provincial and federal coffers and on people? Uh, what are you seeing around you in that macro sense that, that allows you to maybe provide us with a bit of analysis?
3: Yeah, so maybe to that first point, um, we, as bad as things are in Alberta, we're kind of lucky. So the two things, like I mentioned, driving inflation are high oil prices and high food prices, specifically wheat and we're pretty lucky in Alberta that those are two things um we produce a lot of we export so that'll soften the blow for us um help out a lot of well the farmers and in businesses involved with oil and now they got our government has a lot more um revenue so they can maybe use that to increase affordability but yeah for next um well in terms of the price of oil i mean markets are expecting oil just to slowly fall um yeah i think to settle around 60 dollars in the next couple of years and natural gas prices similarly should uh slowly fall. So that'll likely we'll likely see the Alberta economy and Canadian economy cool as a result. But um yeah in general looking forward the forecasts are saying inflation it was 8.1%, July was 7.6%. We actually got US inflation this morning. It came down a bit to 8.3%. So that's encouraging, indicating like global pressures on prices are falling. But we expect, I would expect inflation to fall a bit next year to maybe 5 6%. And then hopefully by 2024 fall to around 2%. But remember, prices are permanently higher yeah. and interest rates are likely going to stay where they're at. Maybe they'll likely go up um, a little bit more. So most mortgages will be between 5 and 6%. And it's a good chance that they'll stay there for most of next year. Hopefully they come down a bit, but um, that's going to be have a big impact on mortgage costs. And another one, and I, I thought of it when he showed the prime minister's clip was uh rent. So I think that's kind of preemptive. Uh, a lot of analysts are saying rent prices are really going to start to go up. They yeah. kind of lag uh, mortgage costs, but um, rent prices are likely going to really start increasing this year and next year um, and services in general services and rent prices are lagging indicators. So, uh, they're likely going to keep on going up for the next six, 12 months. I'm
1: going to be honest, man. My chest gets tight when I hear a conversation like this because it's just, it's stressful for everybody, right? It's stressful for, you know, in many circumstances, the landlords or the property owners. It's stressful yeah. certainly for the renters. You know, we put ourselves in the position of trying to walk a mile in the shoes of people that are trying to qualify for home ownership. I mean, that's who the prime minister is talking about, that's whose attention he's trying to get with this incentive. Right. But there's people that have been dutifully putting money away and saving for that down payment that just all of a sudden saw opportunity for all intents and purposes evaporate. And uh, it's a sick feeling. Right. I mean, it's just uh, this is real life stuff. Yeah, it is really unfortunate.
3: Uh, It's going to be probably another tough year or two. Uh, And like you said, it's going to be tougher, especially for lower income families or more vulnerable groups.
1: Alex Gaynor an economist at the University of Alberta you delivered we asked you to make this accessible and understandable to, to lay people like us and you did thanks for making time for us thanks it was fun thanks for having me yeah you've got it Alex thanks so much uh, on the live chat Like you're all telling your real stories This is real life stuff This is why we want to have these conversations Justin says we've been building a home for the past 10 months or so And the rate hikes have cost us so much In interest alone It's almost made it unaffordable That's Justin's home in construction as we speak Under construction Uh, Maggie is chiming in Says my first mortgage was 18% in the 1980s She says it's incredible actually That we bought at that rate People are talking about Student loans Right. Lauren says we got lucky in the 80s. We only paid 14.75, just under 15 percent. He was getting lucky on his mortgage. Marie says, yeah, Marie remembers people walking away from their homes in the 1980s. Tracy paid off her $13,000 in student loans over seven years at an interest rate between 17 and 19 and a half percent. Man, and Randy says my folks couldn't afford their mortgage in the late 70s. We lost our home. We moved to the trap line full time. Wow. That from Randy. I sure appreciate when you share with us how these stories like you know and I like that Alex is able to take the the big storylines, the international market stuff, the global Prompts to inflation and and I also appreciated John that he didn't shy away from when when you ask typically you'll ask an economist or other professionals you'll say where's the politicking here and they'll typically say well we don't really want to get into the politics we don't really want to talk politics but he answered the question I appreciated Mm -hmm. that yeah you know and uh, hey this is what we endeavor to bring you every single day is insights into the big stories but how they relate to you personally Uh, When we check in with Will Cardinal Maurer next, um, I guarantee that he's going to have something to say about cost of living for societies more marginalized. He works with people, unhoused populations full time. That's his calling. That's his life's work. And these are people in many circumstances. You talk about when cost of living, when something increases, like we're, we're talking in the hundreds of dollars every month. For a lot of people, uh, let us not forget that an increase in cost of 20 or $50 or $100 a month is major. And we always want to make sure that we're having those conversations and, and holding space for them in, in meaningful senses. If you're an engineer in Canada right now, but you're feeling unfulfilled where you're at, maybe you're underappreciated, maybe you're just not challenged, quite frankly, Apex Automation wants to talk to you. You can check out apexautomation.ca today. The careers link is where you can explore their open positions and learn a little bit more about what they're doing when it comes to projects, the engineering, the fabrication, the automation. Take a look right now at apexautomation.ca. Your next career move could be today with Apex Automation. Our friends at Kubi Energy want to remind you that the federal government right now, we're talking about incentives, we're talking about loans. How does $40,000 interest-free sound to get solar panels up on your roof? More and more people are looking to pursue their sustainable energy goals in their homes, their businesses, their farms, They're commercial properties because it's more reliable and more affordable now than ever before. Kubi does all the paperwork for you. You don't have to worry about that. Digging into the details, getting into the weeds. You can get your free quote today on solar from Kubi Energy at kubienergy.ca. At local environmental services, their priority, their core value is keeping it local. This is a family-owned business that's been around for more than a quarter century Uh, In Alberta and Saskatchewan, providing water hauling, fencing, vacuum truck, landfill, portable toilet services, you name it, local environmental services can deliver. Check them out today at localenvironmental.ca. Oh, and by the way, if you have something you need to get off your chest, you want it included for consideration for Trash Talk, coming up on Friday, one of our best segments of the week. If you ask me, presented by Local Environmental, send us an email to talk at ryanjesperson.com and I checked in yesterday with our friends at the Dairy Queens of Northwest Edmonton and Sherwood Park absolutely love those guys the Cardinals the Liebers, the family owned Dairy Queens in Palisades Nemeo Newcastle Westmount, and Baseline Road check them out today for the fall special pumpkin pie blizzard treat and don't forget that score caramel brownie cupfection And if you're a big Blizzard fan, explore the new DQ app. You can join the Blizzard Fan Club, and there's all kinds of benefits. Again, when you're at the Dairy Queens of Northwest Edmonton and Sherwood Park, you make sure you let them know that Real Talk sent you. Thanks for showing our sponsors some love. We wouldn't be able to do this show without them. Well, I tell you, from time to time, I'll meet somebody in real life. (laughs) I'll meet somebody in person, and within moments, I'll know that You need to know them, too. And that's the story of our next guest, Will Cardinal Mowers, a Métis Cree from Wolf Lake, Alberta. Uh, He works at the Bissell Center as a street outreach worker. He's worked with Edmonton's houseless community for more than a decade. Uh, Will making his Real Talk debut this morning, my friend. It's great to see you. Thanks for making time for us.
4: Hello, Ryan. Ryan. Um, It's good to see you. Thanks for having me on the show. Um, Is my audio coming through?
1: Yeah, you sound crystal clear. You sound great. Perfect. Um, Will, it was uh, International Overdose Awareness Day a couple of weeks ago on August 31st, and we've had plenty of conversations on this show about safe supply and harm reduction and supervised consumption. Um, We've talked to some people across this country that this is their calling, uh, to literally save lives. You know that thousands of Canadians, thousands are dying every year from drug poisoning. Uh, for you, this is personal. Oftentimes the people that you're working with in your line of work are, are, are people you've gotten to know, your personal friends. Uh, where was your head at on International Overdose Awareness Day?
4: Um, Yeah, International uh, Overdose Awareness Day. Uh, yeah, it's a really important day for myself. Um Doing outreach, uh, I respond to uh, quite a number of overdoses down on the street. Um, in the year and three months that I've been doing outreach, um, I personally responded to just over 150 myself. Wow. Um, and that's just within like a 20 block radius of downtown, like the Boyle Macaulay uh, neighborhood. And um, let see, something happened.
1: Um, can, can I still see me? Yeah, yeah, we can see you. You're all good, man. Can I, oh, yeah. can I ask you about your Instagram post? This is what caught my attention. Um, yeah. cause you and I have spoken in past several times. Um, yeah. I want to let people know one of the first things I noticed about you is you carry a naloxone kit actually on your belt buckle. Um, which, yes. which, which to me was, uh, both practical if you need it, but also I think as, as, uh, someone who can have an influence in society, it sends a very clear message. It's a great reminder for people um, that that more and more citizens yeah. are, are kind of being tapped on the shoulder here. Uh, but you shared your Instagram account. The wolves are calling, and I encourage people to to give you a follow there. Uh, about your friend Jordan, would you tell yeah. us? Would you tell us about Jordan?
4: Yeah, um, Jordan was a very special person uh, to the inner city. Um, I know I've met him around six years ago working at a youth shelter and, um, I've known him ever since. And he was a very sweet, uh, loving, uh, caring individual. He passed away, um, September 4th, 2021, uh, via drug poisoning. And, um, yeah, it was a big loss for the, for the community and, um, and the people who knew him.
1: I think for, for a lot of folks, Faces and stories matter, you know, because we see statistics Mm -hmm. of, of people that have died from drug poisoning. And for whatever reason, maybe it's the same with COVID. I don't know. Maybe it was the same back in the day with, with HIV and AIDS or with other things where society just sort of looked at numbers and Mm -hmm. we we failed to consider that these were people, that these were human beings with value. Yeah. How do you approach mm-hmm. your work as, as an outreach worker? Because you really are. You're not just there working for people or with people. You're also a very strong advocate. You're telling people's stories.
4: Yeah. Um, sorry, can you repeat the question?
1: Yeah, just how do you approach your, your work with regards to being an okay. advocate for people? The power yeah. of storytelling, I think, is so important in, in mobilizing mm-hmm. greater society, you know, to really pay right. serious attention to some of these issues.
4: Yeah, um, I guess I approach my work with like... I just kind of know how, like, um, important this, like, the work I do is. And I know, like, like it, how dire straits it is out there for folks, you know, like, it's life and death and every day. And so um, I just realized, yeah, the importance of that message. And I have a platform, you know, on my social media and, and then just, you know, with interacting with people in real life. Just try my best to, like, share those stories because, you know, they're, yeah, somebody has to.
1: Yeah, I, I, I'm going to repeat your Instagram account A million times while we talk So people give you a follow okay, so At you, the wolves are calling you. Well, this is like a It's it's like almost a, a a grounding stone in a way Or it's like a It's a place where I know that People go, I, I read the comments on your photos, Will, and, and you're doing amazing mm-hmm. work uh, helping people understand Thank the you. real life impacts of a lot of the stories we talk about. I mean, I, I just had a conversation with a, an economist, right? And we're talking about yeah. inflation and interest rates and what it's doing for housing affordability and, and all these types of things. Right. And we talk about people, you know, what's the best move to make when you're renewing your mortgage or what's the, you know, what's mm. the, uh, you know, the best financial decision to make for your family, you know, and, and uh and I think that so many times I don't want to say we ignore, but we overlook really important and valid segments of our society, our fellow human yeah. beings, and and how things like out of control inflation is impacting people. With regards mm-hmm. to cost of living, what are you seeing at the Bissell Center and elsewhere?
4: Um, we're seeing are the Edmontons uh houseless population is the largest it's been in its history currently right now um and we're seeing like every day new individuals um at the at the Bissell Center uh, brand new to homelessness you know we're living like we're, we're living check to check through the pandemic and um just ended up on the streets like no like in reality like nobody's safe Um, it could happen to anybody, you know, I, I've met doctors, I've met lawyers, you know, um, people who had very secure jobs and then in an instant, you know, they, they can lose it all. Um, and so, yeah, we're seeing a a massive increase right now and it's not, and it's not getting better. It's not, yeah, it's not getting better.
1: So what's your message to people that are maybe insulated from the harsh reality of, of what real life looks like for a lot of these people right now? I mean, what, what would you like people to hear about or what would you like people to know if you could blast mm-hmm. your message out? What would you say? Um,
4: I would say like Edmonton's houseless community is honestly one of the uh, greatest communities you could ever honestly interact with. Um, they are some of the most amazing people you could ever meet in your entire life and it makes me so sad to see the comments online about how unsafe people uh, how unsafe people feel downtown and and on the transit system um like yes you know people are currently very unwell but in the end they're just people and if you treat them as such um you know uh, you give respect. Respect is returned, um, and and uh, even just like a, like a like a like a like look them in the eye and say hello. You know, so I see so many times people just walk by and avoid eye contact, and and even if you don't have change to give them, you know, still just like validate their existence, mm. right? Like they just want to be seen, um, and and I'm thankful for, in my outreach job to be able to like walk those streets every day and, 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 and check in on them and ask how they're doing. And, um, yeah, they're just a real, it's just a real special community. And, um, I, I feel like, yeah, they have a bad, a really bad, an unfair rapport. Um, you know, I have a bad day. I get to come home. I get to play video games. I get to watch a movie. I get to like, relax, you know, they have a bad day. There's no outlets for them, you know? they're going to break a window. They're going to, they're going to scream in a bus stop, you know? And these are all just, um, these are all just, uh, you know, um, what's the word I'm looking for just like, um, like outlets. Yeah. It's just like a, it's all, it's all based on like the trauma. They've all experienced, you mm. know, and you know, it's the same with addiction and stuff. Like I could go, Yeah go into
1: that a lot also. well yeah let me ask you about that because yeah. i mean we're, we're coming up on, on national day for truth and reconciliation it's uh like just over two weeks mm-hmm. from now on september 30th and the last couple of years uh in particular the last year i think you know for canadians has been a huge uh i don't, I don't know if i say a wake-up call a reminder a, a reckoning of uh, mm-hmm. the legacy of residential schools and how they destroyed uh or attempted to destroy uh, indigenous culture and identity uh, over the course of decades. Have you seen an impact, uh, like in a positive sense at all, in in the general public's attitude uh, toward marginalized population, including Indigenous people in Canada, as a result of that reminder or that awakening? Like, do you see some positive developments there on that front as, as people look within their own lives and say, how can I offer an act of reconciliation or how can I do something about what I'm feeling about Canada's history? Have you seen it at all?
4: Um, Yeah, Uh, honestly, yeah. And I would say in the past two years, we, I've seen um, like an increase in, uh, um, I guess indigenous people are a lot more visible now. We're still, it's fine. We're still one of the most invisible people groups in the entire country, but um, we've made steps in. Like forward uh, and being more visible, um, including like Orange Shirt Day. We've seen an increase, I've seen an increase in um, like events, uh, vigils, um, like even just Orange Shirt Day itself, even like National Indigenous Peoples Day. um, A lot more people have been showing up. Hmm. Um, Obviously, not as many as we would like, you know, but like we're, it's, you know, baby steps. I feel like we're on our way. We're, we're nowhere close to where we need to be with that. But um, I've definitely seen, yeah, an increase of support and um, advocacy, you know, from like majority culture.
1: Hmm. Um, we're talking to Will Cardinal Mauer, if you're just joining us live streaming audio on the Mixler audio app. Um, I hope it's okay if I ask you about your uncle and your cousin, Will. Mm-hmm. Um, this is pretty much the, the beginning of COVID, right? This was March 27th. Of 2020 uh, near Glendon, Alberta, Uh, your uncle, Maurice Cardinal, your cousin, Jacob Sansom, were gunned down uh, in a a roadside confrontation. They'd been out hunting uh, together, Mm -hmm. Uh, convicted in those deaths, uh, father and son, Roger and Anthony Bilodeau. Roger sentenced to 10 years in prison, less time served for manslaughter. And Anthony will be sentenced for second degree murder and manslaughter uh, in November. This has been a, a horrific, obviously, journey for your family. And I know that you've been certainly doing what you can to keep this in front of the public. Uh, What's the most important message uh, now, two and a half years following those deaths? Do you feel, I mean, every bereaved family that's had someone stolen like this is never going to feel like justice, I would imagine, has truly been served. Uh, But what's your response to the 10 year sentence? And where are you at now? Where's your family at now with that?
4: Um,. Yeah, the ten yeah the ten year sentence uh, was not ideal. Obviously, um, he's only going he'll get out in around six. He'll get out in around six years. Yeah, um, and you know, yeah, it's we uh, we yeah we're, we're, we yeah of course we would, we would wish it was longer. And um, our fa- like family like closure isn't like I guess Anthony still has to be sentenced in November. Um, and so I guess like true closure wouldn't happen until after that. Um, there's just, our family is really struggling right now. Currently there's online, there's been a lot, like, um, there's been a lot of, uh, uh, like a lot of their, like people still support them and like the, um, like the men who did this. Um, and like in their family. And so there's been online, like on Facebook and stuff, there's been a lot of um, bad things said about like my cousin and my uncle. And people continue to slander them. Hmm. Um, and people continue to, you know, um, yeah, talk bad about them. And even in our own, like, like even our own, like Facebook groups and stuff, like, you know, folks will infiltrate. And so it's just been, yeah, we can't really grieve and heal when that stuff is like ongoing you know and like of course people will say like um like don't engage with it like with anything like indigenous you know the comments are always going to be awful um and and with indigenous issues and you know people will say to indigenous people like don't read them and of course you know i know i would be better off not but like to not read them and to not engage and to not um like uh like to defend like um It's like, it's almost like a privilege, you know, like someone needs to hold these like folks that accountable, I think. And, you know, they get really bold online. And, um, and so to engage with them, you know, it's like to show them that, Hey, like not everybody agrees with your, um, your awful views, you know,
1: would you tell us, would you tell us about your family members? Like, would you tell us about Maurice and Jacob? Would would you tell us the truth about who they were and and how you Mm -hmm. remember them and the impact they made on your life?
4: Yeah. Um, I wasn't close with them in the last 10 years, but growing up, um, yeah, they were very, they were very, very, spe- uh, very, very, um, special people, uh, to me and to my family, like my uncle Morris, um, my mom, uh, they were, my mom and him, they were close growing up and, uh, she always called him Mopstick cause he was really thin and he had, uh, growing up, he had really curly hair, still hmm. did. Um, and, uh, Uncle Mopstick. That's that's what I knew him as. Like, I didn't even know his name was Mo until um, until I was like older. Um, And then my, yeah my cousin Jacob was was just that he was like, he was such so gentle, Hmm. like a very gentle, very gentle man. um, Very kind. And, but also, like, he stood up for things. He stood up for people. He stood up against bullies um he protected people like he protected um his siblings growing up growing up in bonnieville um there's a yeah again in a lot of rural communities there's a lot of anti-indigenous racism and it used to be a lot worse i don't know maybe not like i don't think anything's changed but um
1: yeah. I don't know. Like, like, yeah. like real talk, like has anything changed? Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I, you know, no. you say, I mean, you as an indigenous man or, or mm-hmm. me as a, a white man, yeah. I, I think still yeah. we can both look at comments around stories like this, um, your family yeah. members gunned down, or I think, I think of the Colton Bushy mm-hmm. situation in Saskatchewan mm-hmm. and, and there have been others. Yep. Um, mm-hmm. and, and the, the comments, um, to mm-hmm. me, for, for every moment where I'll, I'll look around, and again, from my privileged position, but I'll look around and see, hey, maybe this nation's kind of waking up, or maybe we're having finally meaningful conversations, or the Pope shows up to apologize, or uh, James Smith Cree Nation is mourning a horrific tragedy in Saskatchewan, and a nation mourns, and then you read the comments on a story and you go, I, oh, like, I, it just feels like it sets any of that progress back like a generation and I try Mm -hmm. not to get too pessimistic about it or too discouraged about it. What about you? Mm
4: -hmm. Um, Yeah. I think when I see stuff like that and I know there's a like, yeah, a lot of people out there that think those things, um, very like violent things towards indigenous people. um, I guess I'm one hand like to the degree, like, I like are you familiar with like shoot shovel shut up?
1: Yeah, of course. Of I mean I, I yeah. saw that I mean of course Ralph Klein made it famous, yep. uh, talking mm-hmm. about BSE and the cattle ranchers. Yeah, yeah, and the yeah, mad cow. But I mm-hmm. saw that TikTok video just about I don't have it here locked and loaded or we show mm-hmm. folks, but that that you're talking yeah. about the grain farmer in Saskatchewan on TikTok. Yeah.
4: Yeah. Or it's more so no, I just remember when Colton Bushy was murdered, um, all of a sudden in the comments, you just started seeing like SSS, SSS. And like, if you weren't familiar with the term or the, you know, the acronym, like you wouldn't think anything of it. Right. But, um, yeah, it was like rural property owners used to apply that to cows and then all of a sudden now they apply it to trespassers or criminals, you know, or whoever they deem, um, they, yeah, whoever they deem that, uh, and it's like, It's literally, they're just literally talking about like shooting people and burying them. It's, it's, it's called murder. Yeah. It's
1: called murder Murder. is what it is. Uh, yeah, yeah. uh, yeah, Yeah. There was a, there was a, I don't know if you saw it. There was a, there was a Mm. TikTok video posted. I think it was like a week ago or something. John, did you see, you know, the one I'm talking about, there was like, it was a farmer. It was a grain farmer and he was like standing in front of his silo and, and like, Will, he posted it from his account with his name on it. Like wasn't hiding it. It wasn't in some private Mm. conversation and he basically was just spewing this anger and and advocating for for murder. And yeah. I just and I so couldn't gross. and the, and again, I know we keep saying the comments, but the comments were like, mm-hmm. yeah, brother, like yeah, you tell him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, I'm just going, mm-hmm. what? Are, like what is mm-hmm. going on?
4: They're they're bold. They're bold. <laughs> they're emboldened. They're like, it's wild. Like if that's how, yeah, that's, if that's how public they are online about it from their own accounts. Like, th- like, yeah, think about them in real life, you know? And uh, it's something, I, yeah, something needs to happen. It's just gonna get worse. More people will die, I think. Um, and, you know, we like I thought after Colton Bushi, we, you know, things would change. And then all of a sudden it like happened to my family um and I'm like well it's just time before it happens again I think um yeah it's like when I got that call that uh that morning of March 28th um I remember seeing in the local news two bodies found a roadside Glendon and you know and I thought oh that's like really sad um and then I got a call about an hour later and it was my mom and she said, yeah, those bodies, those people who were killed, uh, that's Uncle Mo and, and Jake. And my first thought wasn't of mourning. It was like more so like this is going to be like Colton Bushi all over again. Like it was almost, my first thought was, of you know, like the, like whatever the story is, whatever happened, we're not going to get just, we're not going to get true justice. And then, you know, and then, the, then the sadness, right? Mm. But like as indigenous people, like we hear news like that and, you know, our, like we don't even have time to mourn. We, we're like, you know, we have to, we have to, yeah, there's there's so many other things we also have to do in that. And it's unfair. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense?
1: Well, I mean, yeah. you're helping it make sense to us. I mean, it doesn't make sense, does it? But yeah, I no. appreciate you wearing your heart on your sleeve today and talking about it. Um, you yeah. know, it's always, it's always, it's always tough as an interviewer. I just like, just to straight up say it, you know, cause you're, you're, you're just asking people like, please talk about the cold blooded murders of your uncle and your cousin. Mm-hmm. And then you just expect people to just talk about it. You know, talk to us about the death right. of your child. Talk to us about, you know, your friend overdosing, talk to us about your yeah. family going bankrupt. Talk to us about losing everything. And, and, yeah. and it's like, we ask, and but, but by participating in these conversations, by you showing up for this conversation today, you're deepening all of our understanding of it. Uh, which I'm really grateful for. Um, I I just, like I said to this audience from the minute that I first met you, Will, I was like, we need to get this guy in front of this audience because Mm. you are one of those people that shows up every single day for other people. And uh, we need more of you, quite frankly, friend. And if people don't do anything else today, uh, the one thing that they need to do is follow you on Instagram because that's planting the seed. Uh, to better understand what's happening around us Mm -hmm. Um, and with people that oftentimes don't have that voice the wolves are calling is will's instagram account
4: (laughs) it's a bit it's a bit unhinged (laughs) it's like uh, dude we are a picture of my face are you gonna get you know like five ways to be a better ally
1: yeah well perfect (laughs) that that's that's real life that's like my instagram too um yeah. like, and yeah. also some amazing hiking photos you're a real nature guy too so people can expect yeah that.
4: yeah lots of photos of outside and then just outreach photo dumps what i see on
1: my walks thank you for sharing and mad yeah, respect you to you Will. Welcome. yeah thanks ryan we'll yeah, next soon we will i'll see you around the city that's will cardinal mauer uh, from Wolf Lake Alberta a street outreach worker with the Bissell Center you can check them out online at abyssalcenter.org. just a remarkable guy and we're going to keep doing that um, when I meet people when John meets people uh, when our team at Relay meets people uh, that are making an impact in communities across Canada and for that matter around the world I, I think of uh, Ray Elisa Tegan that checked in from Damascus Syria a few months ago that was another example she wrote in she's like I listen to the show all the time uh, I couldn't help but notice like the background like what are you doing in Syria do you remember that interview and then she showed up and talked to us about the work she's doing there and I'm just like these these are people that form the real talk audience like Will's a real talker and uh I want you to know as someone who subscribes to this show supports this show that these are our people people that give a shit quite frankly uh deeply and show up every day to prove it uh Will just a remarkable guy In a second, uh, we're going to talk to you about a a really neat uh, app and website that's uh, really trying to address food waste around the world. That's coming up in just a quick second. But first, I want to tell you about our friends at Friesen Brothers, Alberta grown, Alberta owned for more than 65 years. Friesen Brothers in 16 different Alberta communities. You know, family is big for them. They talk about putting good food on the table and the conversation, the fellowship that can ensue. But sometimes you don't want to cook. You want to show up. All you can eat medieval feast coming up at Friesen Brothers just a few days from now. a matter, matter of fact, September 17th and 18th at select locations. You can get the details at Friesen.com. That's F-R-E-S-O-N. Plus, their Thanksgiving dinner boxes are now available. For $60, you can feed a family of four all the details on the website at Friesen Brothers. Our friends at Park Power are doing their best to keep costs down for Albertans when it comes to electricity, natural gas, and internet. We know that the rates have fluctuated. They've got their fixed rates, their variable rates. You can pick the rate that's right for you after comparing what you're paying right now to what you would be paying with park power we hear from real talkers again and again and again that after you've switched to park power you're paying less especially if you're bundling all your services together those three internet electricity natural gas the administration costs are lower and 70 dollars off your first bill with the promo code 2022-realtalk at parkpower.ca At St. Albert and Sherwood Dodge, you will find the best selection and the lowest price on the Chrysler Jeep Ram lineup across the province of Alberta. Why? Because they can double up their inventory, these two dealerships, and they can ensure that you find the perfect fit the vehicle you or your family truly needs. So whether you're downsizing your ride based on the cost of fuel or maybe you're upsizing your ride, Maybe there's a new arrival on the way. You can shop Sherwood and St. Albert Dodge online or in person today. You'll find them under the sponsors tab on our website. Well, this has become one of our favorite features every single week here on Real Talk on Tuesday. Thanks to our friends at Leading Edge Physiotherapy, we celebrate a a person, a group, an invention that's innovating in its own space. It's the Leading Edge. And this week in the spotlight, it's the Too Good To Go website. I absolutely love this. So 40% of food wasted around the world. We know that. Unacceptable, right? Can we all agree? Well, this website and app is matching businesses in the food industry that have an excessive product with local hungry residents at discounted prices to ensure the food doesn't go to waste and the business can still profit. Right. So to make sure that food gets eaten, not wasted every day, we're talking about bakeries, restaurants, hotels, grocery stores. The Too Good to Go app lets customers buy and collect surprise bags of the food at a third of the price directly from those businesses. So businesses can enroll themselves on the website. That's one way to get involved. And then also, of course, uh, customers can do the same as well, right? The website's been around for a few years now, and it's uh, soon going to be in our neck of the woods, too. Uh, as a matter of fact, uh, they have launched in Canada just about a year ago. They've already helped more than 2,500 businesses save almost half a million meals nationwide. The free app will be expanding into Edmonton coming up on May 18th. That'll uh, help Edmonton join Toronto, Vancouver, Montreal, and Calgary, already part of this global movement against food waste. They're calling it the democratization of the fight against food waste, where we can all have a role. If you want to learn more about this or get involved, you can check them out online at toogoodtogo.ca. Selling surplus food just got easy. Too Good to Go is helping global citizens cut down on food waste, helping feed the hungry on fixed budgets. And that's why Too Good to Go is in the spotlight in this week's edition of The Leading Edge, presented by Leading Edge Physiotherapy. Life shouldn't hurt. The show has flown by. Sometimes we get lost in conversation Uh, really meaningful conversation making us think. And the next thing you know, it's time to say goodbye. The good news is as soon as we do that, we start working on tomorrow's show and the show after that and the show after that. Still to come this week, we're going to check in with Linda Steele and Jody Vance. Just a few days ago, they launched their new show on check. Really neat business model. Employees own the station. And of course, they're moving talk in a great direction on the West Coast. We're going to talk to some of the people that were behind the scenes on the Jean Charest campaign. How did they respectfully get blown out of the water? And what does the Conservative Party look like through their eyes moving forward? And the Real Talk Julie Rohr Scholarship winner, you'll meet her right here on Friday.
0: Real Talk is hosted by Ryan Jesperson. Executive Producer Josh Dunford. Technical producer John Hicks. General Manager Katie Cook Chivers. Account Coordinator Lawrence Durlego. Human Resources Lena Shepherd. Website Design Mike Johnston. VoiceOver by me, Carrie Skelton. Real Talk's editorial board is Sapria Duvetti, Ahmed Ali, Brandy Morin, Anne Castleman, Corey Hogan, Harmon Candola, Catherine O'Neill, and Chris Henderson.